I invite you to turn in the scriptures. There are two readings. I'll be reading the first one. Our pastor will take over after that. Into the 31st chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Right near the end of the book of Deuteronomy for those who have your own Bibles here. Deuteronomy chapter 31, and we're just going to be reading the first nine verses. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I'm no longer able to lead you. So the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross the Jordan. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. And the Lord will do to them what he did to Sihon and Og and the kings of the Amorites, whom he destroyed along with their land. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So Moses wrote down this law and gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all of the elders of Israel. This is God's word. May he bless it to us. Father, we pray that as our pastor comes to deliver the message, take your word from his heart and his mouth and from these pages, and transplant your word into our hearts. We hunger for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Rob. Well, we come to the book of Joshua proper, though you may not believe it from what we've just looked at a second or two ago. Ian, if I can have my laptop um, up for the moment. Let's just... Uh, let's just join the pieces together. I want us to kind of get the pieces of the puzzle together. That's why we've gone back a little bit and picked up those um, words of Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's not plugged in. I shall do that. Always helps. <coughs> I discovered this little map. I think this is quite helpful. Um, you can find it on the internet. But it kind of sums up uh, at about my level the story so far. So here it says Genesis, um, uh, number one. Uh, and this is Abraham uh, coming from Ur. Uh, under God's command, uh, God's call. So there is, there is Gen- uh, Abraham coming from one to two. Um, here is the end of Genesis. So at the end of Genesis, you remember um, Joseph uh, and family goes, goes down to Egypt at the end of Genesis. Uh, next installment in the story is that um, they come out. That's the whole story of, of Exodus, is the rescue under, under Moses. We saw a little bit of that earlier on. They're rescued um, here is Mount Sinai, where they get the law, and that kind of the, uh, the draw of the map kind of sums that up as Leviticus. And I like this bit here. This is, um, this is Numbers, which is essentially about the people going round and round and round in the wilderness. Um, because of that story of the spies, 
Um, they, they refused, uh, the people refused to trust God's promises. And so otherwise they would have kind of gone straight up here, but they didn't. So for 40 years, uh, Israel has been going uh, round and round. And today in Deuteronomy, we pick the story up here. Because just the other side of uh, the Jordan River from, from Jericho, uh, Moses stops. And Deuteronomy means a second, second law or copy of the law. Uh, and here at this point, oh, Moses, <laughs> let me go back again. Uh, Moses reiterates uh, the law for the people before they're about um, to, to cross into the promised land. So the, the 40 years of, of wandering around in, in the desert uh, have gone on. Then they're here, um, and Deuteronomy is finished, and today we're going to pick up the story uh, proper in, in the book of, of Joshua. So we'll go back to the text. And we'll read Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. Um, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, uh, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's a good start to a book, isn't it? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. After he said, the Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land, but Moses, oh sorry, the land that that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. If you remember these two and a half tribes, they decided that they they liked this bit of land um, east of the Jordan, uh, and they asked Moses whether they could have it. Uh, And Moses and God say, yes, they can have it, but they must, uh, they can't stop there, and then all their men settle there, all the fighting men have to go across. Um, with the rest of Israel. And so uh, uh, Joshua carries on. You must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. 
After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, east of the Jordan, towards the sunrise. And then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So let's pause and just ask the Lord to speak to us. Father God, thank you for your presence amongst us this morning. Thank you that you are the speaking God. We saw you speaking to Moses. You speak through your word. We ask you to illuminate it now by your Holy Spirit. Speak to us again through this word to Joshua. Be present amongst us. And Lord, may we today know that we have stood for a moment in the presence of the same living God that Moses did before the burning bush. Lord, may we not like him be so reluctant to serve you, but may we trust your promises and do what you've asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want uh, the sermon notes, they're there and there and there and there. I feel like an air steward. Um, and they're at the back just behind um, John, uh, if that helps you uh, get the most out of the sermon. And as we go along, then there will be some words in red on the screen. Uh, They relate to the word search, which is on the notes, if that helps you concentrate. Um, The words in yellow um, are actually the words of scripture uh, as we go along, and I know that makes it look all kind of multicoloured and not very cool. Um, And I'm already regretting, I was saying to Rob, this kind of green, soapy colour. Um, but hey, we're going to run with it and and hopefully you'll understand. So, people of Israel, if you remember that swirl, have been going round um, in the desert for, for 40 years waiting for a generation of people to die before they can enter the promised land. God has said that faithless generation, they won't pick up God's promises and therefore they can't enter. They couldn't enter anyway, but God then uh, commands it. says they can't enter, and, and Israel are waiting uh, for a generation to die. They were a generation who, who chose not to enter God's promised land. And, and Moses himself, we've discovered along the way, he can't enter uh, because uh, of his own disobedience. So the people are, in some ways, waiting for Moses to die. But now the book begins, and it begins like this, doesn't it? Moses, my servant, is dead. He's died. You read the end of Deuteronomy, they've mourned for, uh, for 30 days. That's brought them precisely to the end of the 40 years that God has said it would. And then uh, God speaks to Joshua. The 40 years of, of wandering are over. One writer says it's like the final barrier to the promised land has been removed and God can't wait to fulfill his promises. And it's time for this people to do what the previous generation failed to do, and that is to trust God's promises and act on them. It's like the starting gun has fired and they're off. And so God in these first few words 
uh, of Joshua 1, he, he commissions Joshua by giving him um, three promises and, and three commands. And it's really interesting. Uh, the, uh, the first thing God does is he gives them a, a promise of land. And he says to them, get ready to cross the River Jordan into the land uh, I'm giving you. And then actually what he says is, every place that the sole of your foot uh, will tread upon, um, I have given it to you. It doesn't actually say that in the NIV, but it, but it is there in the original. Uh, and some translations pick it up in, in verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given it to you. It's a, it's a past tense. God has, has already in his mind, he, he has given this land. By promising it, he has given it um, uh, to Israel. It's a, there's a real sense in which the promise is, uh, has already been made, the gift has already been given, and all Israel have to do is to get up and, uh, and receive the gift. The land itself is, is vast, and one writer says that if you would put it in modern terms, it would cover all of modern Israel, all of Jordan, large part of Saudi Arabia, half of Iraq, and the whole of Lebanon, part of Syria, and, and the whole of Kuwait. It, it's an enormous area, but at no point in, in Israel's history do they ever um, occupy it. So what happened? Well, certainly, as we'll read through Joshua, we'll see Joshua pictured as, as God's obedient and successful commander. He, he does what God has asked, and they, his initial campaign um, is, is successful. And so their initial forays into Israel, they, they do what has, uh, what has been achieved. But, but going forward, there is, in successive generations, there's a lack of ambition, shall we say. And I guess that's being polite on Israel's part. There is a kind of settling, a settling for the status quo. There is a settling for um, the attainable. And so the succeeding generation, again, fails to trust God's promises and they go no further. So you read on in Judges, the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and all the elders who outlived him. So through Joshua's lifetime, there's, there's another kind of generation or half a generation who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. And after that, uh, another gen- whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Um, another generation grew up who knew neither the, what the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. So that's why Israel never occupied the, the full extent of the land. But isn't that a scary thought? And is that not an argument for, for really comprehensive discipleship-based youth work? So please come for lunch um, uh, later on and kind of you know, celebrate our, our, our youth work. But isn't it interesting that the faith has not been passed on? Despite all those insistences from Moses that you must teach your children, must, um, they've not been taught somewhere along the way. Anyway, that's by and by. Unbelief, uh, a lack of trust in the promises of God is, um, blunts their ambition and stunts their achievement. Here's an interesting quote. I... I, I I've got a book over there. Um, I'm reading a book by David Jackman. 
um, on, on the book of Joshua. It's a really helpful book. Uh, I would commend it to you, except then you'd realize how much uh, a debt I owed him, particularly this morning. Um, <clears throat> but he says that great landmass, it could have been Israel's had she risen to the challenge in faith and obedience. But like them, we know only too well what it is to settle for the attainable and doubtless to miss vast dimensions of God's potential grace. To miss vast dimensions of God's potential grace. Because neither is there, there is never any shortage of power or depletion of God's purpose on his part. I have to say that again. There's never any shortage of power or depletion of purpose on God's part. There is always power enough for God to do what he wants to do, and there is never, and his, um, his intention with us and for his church hasn't, hasn't waned. And so he, David Jackman says, it must be true that none of us has less of God and his promised blessings than we truly desire. None of us has less of God and his promised blessings than we truly desire. You have as much of God as you want, as you really want. So says David Jackman. See, Peter says, God's divine power has given everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him, who called us by his glory and goodness, and through those he has given us his great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. God has given you everything you need. He has given you the promises. His great and precious promises. And the question is, is how big is your ambition? And, and what are you settling for? I don't know whether you realize that in the Christian life you are fighting, you are fighting in two directions. Uh, a writer called Jamie Buckingham, I read a very long time ago, says that Christians like to think um, we're the ones who are fighting for the Lord and those people out there, they're the ones fighting against the Lord. And he says, actually, we're all fighting the Lord, it's just that Christians intend to lose. <laughs> it's an interesting turn of phrase. But what you will find in your Christian life is that you are, in terms of the Lord, our hope I hope at one level you, you want to kind of like Jacob wrestle with him and you want to get hold of him and draw him close and, and, and ask him uh, for, for every blessing that is there. Um, but at the same time, you will find that you are doing this. Where, with the other hand, you, you are fighting, you are instinctively, as a sinner, you are fighting him away at the same time. And so that's why Jamie Buckingham can say we're kind of we're, we're, we're pulling on him, we, we want him, and at the same time we don't want him as, as sinners. And the trick, I think, in the Christian life is to work out where is your resistance and to bring it down. There are all kinds of reasons you might want the Lord to come and help you, you know, with your, with your family, you know, just personally because you want to know him with, with your own holiness, but equally you might find out you, you don't want God to call you to let other people closer into your life. You might want, not want God to come into certain areas of your life and say, I want lordship over your money or your mind or whatever it might be. 
But there's a sobering lesson that Israel, for lack of ambition, decide not to trust the promises of God. And so go no further. And their, the extent to which they conquer the land is contained. And so easy for it to be the same for you and I. God gives Joshua another promise, you see. If the first is a promise of land, the second is a promise of conquest, which is this, no one will be able to stand against you. No one can stand uh, against God. We, we know that. Joshua knows that. But he must have his kind of, um, his resurrections, res, resurrections? reservations. Um, he must have his kind of secret fears, surely. He, he's going up against walled cities. They've been there for a long time. Um, he's going against the latest military technology. He's going against wealthy, organized communities with his, with his band of, of um, tent-dwelling Israelites. How can he fight? How can God say no one will stand against you? You see, and I think we feel the same. I think you had a moment of that. If you're like me, you had a moment of that when Rob said there's a load of tracks over there. I'm almost certain you had a moment of, Ugh. okay? You had a moment of fear. Did you not? You'd be quite unusual if you didn't. Because we look at the walled cities. We look at, let's say, the new atheist movement spearheaded uh, by the books of Richard Dawkins. And you think, how can I give a track to my gospel, to my friend at work or somebody on the train when Dr. Dawkins has got there before me and built a walled city in that person's mind? You think, how can I fight? Or you look at the you know, the BBC and the BBC website, and you see how hard they're, they're pushing the transgender case uh, with all the kind of brightest and, and best um, communication technology um, at their disposal. And you think, how can I stand up for something on, on my front line without looking like something from the Dark Ages? Or you look at popular science programs and, and, and David Attenborough and you kind of think, well, how, how could my stuttering speech match the beautifully crafted resources of the BBC and popular science programs? And the answer is the same. No one can stand against God. You have weapons, as we discovered last week, with divine power that demolish strongholds. So Ian's brought these tracks in, but I was talking to Ian just before, and you were saying you presented it to some, somebody, and they just said, they turned around to you and said, well, you know, you look like an idiot. Um, well, I'm sorry you can't avoid that, but these simple weapons, the, the gospel... The, the truth about Jesus and, and your feeble speech of it and your life um, and your love, they are weapons with divine power which demolish the strongholds. So we just present the gospel to people clearly, plainly, because the power, is, the power of it is not in the numbers of people who agree something else. The power is not in how many celebrity minds disagree with us. The power is not in the slickness of the presentation. 
the battle belongs to the Lord and the gospel is the power of God for people's salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So Joshua has this, this promise that, uh, of land. He has this promise of conquest. Um, uh, but underpinning um, both of these is this promise that God will always be um, present with him. See, after, this, um, after the incident with the golden calf, God had said to Moses, he, he threatened to withdraw his presence from the people. And Moses pleads, and he says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. Don't send us out as your missional warrior people unless your presence goes out with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? Um, if you don't go with me, then I'm, then I'm no different for, from anybody else and I have nothing else to say. And of course we have the same promise from Jesus that as we are to go make disciples, he will be with us. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we should, we should I think, echo this plea of Moses. And I think you should pray today before you go back into your work. Pray it now as we go along. Don't send me back into my work as your witness, Lord, unless you are going with me. Or unless, in a very real sense, you've gone there before me. Because unless you go, unless you move hearts, then there is nothing I can do. Urgent, heartfelt, petitioning. Call on the Lord. Three promises. More briefly, three commands. God says to... Joshua, um, be strong and courageous. Have you got that? <laughs> Came up kind of like, it's, it's not, and it didn't start in Joshua 1, it started back in Deuteronomy. Be strong and courageous. God says it three times. People say it to him once. Uh, he's already been told that three times in Deuteronomy. But you know what? Do you think Joshua now is standing there feeling strong and courageous? Do you think he's standing there feeling strong and courageous? I doubt it. Why is that? Because he feels his own weakness, I'm sure. He knows the fickleness of the people. They, he knows they've kind of um, plucked off all their earrings and out popped this golden calf, so says Aaron. We remember that story. So what is courage? He's told to be strong and courageous. How is he going to be strong and courageous? We think that uh, courage means you have some kind of natural ability to overcome fear. Or maybe, or rather, that courage is somehow the lack of fear. And I'm not sure that courage is ever the lack of fear. Courage is the ability to proceed in the face of fear. So he's told to be strong and courageous. But we have to look, and this is the nub of what goes on today. Where does the courage come from? So we think that courage is, is this ability to not feel fear, as if some people have an innate quality um, to not feel fear. Well, if, if we're talking about in the social domain, it, it's true. Some people will go out and, and social situations are, are much more frightening. So somebody turning around to you and, and saying, um, this makes you look like an idiot, you know. And some people, yes, they, they will kind of be water, like water off a duck's back and other people, it will be, uh, be mortifying. 
So in the social arena, it is, it is true that, you know, that some people uh, will be naturally less fearful, but the Christian battle uh, is it, always going to lead you into fearful places. It will always lead you into fearful places. So courage is, what are you going to do? You, you, you know, you, courage is not the ability to kind of pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I think that's the other thing we think, is that kind of like, uh, I'm going to, you know, I'll take some of Ian's tracks and I'm going to kind of, uh, and then during this week as I, as I get on the train or go into work, I'm going to go like this, I'm going to go, <sighs> and give something out and I'm going to take a deep breath. No. The courage, this is a great quote from David Jackman, the courage that Joshua is called to exercise is of divine origin generated by the divine word. God gives you courage as you meditate on his word. God makes you more courageous as you meditate on his word. And what is he to do? He's to keep this book of the law always on his lips. He's to meditate on it day and night so that he may be careful to do everything written in it. He is to find a way to be constantly reflecting on God's word. And people, if you are constantly reflecting on God's word, then you will have courage. Because the promises of God and the influence of the Holy Spirit will sink into your life and become truths that outweigh those other truths. So like Joshua, he has to find a way for the word of God to be, to be constantly under revision in his life. It's to be always on his lips. So, I don't know, the, the, the word meditate is also used elsewhere in the Bible to mean murmur. Um, so, I don't know whether he's to kind of going his days, going, doing his memory verses. But, but maybe he is, but maybe more likely is to, is to think about it with his mates or to talk about it at home group. But he's to meditate on it day and night, so some of it is also in his mind, but I think some of it is in his mouth. But as we would say, it is to be there morning, noon, and, and night. And, and when the word of God, when he is reflecting on the word of God, morning, noon, and night, um, then he'll be careful to do everything written in it. And then he'll be prosperous and successful. Then his witnessing will go well, as it were. Meditation generates courage. And as you go out, and obey God. We had this in the conversation just very briefly earlier on. If you do what God wants you to do, your courage increases. Your confidence in God increases. If you don't do what God wants you to do, actually, your courage, you, you fail and your courage decreases. So hear this. That, that Joshua is to be strong and courageous. He, he needs courage. Yeah, you and I, we, we need courage. Uh, we need strength. Uh, he is to get that courage by meditating um, on the law of God. Uh, or as we would say, by reflecting, chewing over, whole of scripture, so it is always somewhere in the back of your mind. 
but then you need to act on it. So he's called to, um, he's called to be strong, he's, to, he's, control, uh, he's called to be courageous, he gets courage um, from the word of God, he's then to act on his courage. Faith responds, let's go back one, faith responds to promise by action. Do you hear that? Faith responds to promise with action, with divinely generated courage that comes from meditating on, on God's word. Put it the other way around, a lack of action is a sign of unbelief. It's true of Israel, it's true of Christians. Unbelief is a symptom of being unfamiliar with God's word, not being unfamiliar. It being not there in our lives for chunks of time. So I I was intrigued uh, to read this, that Martin Luther apparently defined faith as saying, yes, this is for me. So as you read your Bibles, reflect on it, then then faith takes those promises uh, and it says, yes, this is for me. So you read John 1.12 and it says, yet to, all, uh, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he, he gave the right um, to become children of God. And faith says, yes, this is for me. I think we've got to get a grips with God's word. It's why it's been really helpful um, to have Rob's sermons uh, before and after the summer. And this thing was on my desk this morning. It, it's a little green wallet with little green cards in it. Um, it's now about 30 plus years old. Um, it's got the memory system I used to do in it. Notice the used to. Okay, but the first thing is I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and, and gave himself uh, for me. And faith says, yes, that's for me. So I kind of feel, I've got to kind of rise to the challenge. So there's, there's loads in here. I kinda, I, I, do you know what? Can you see how many is in there? About a quarter of them are blank. <laughs> They're kind of blank ones to write your own ones on, which I never got around to. Um, come on, people. Rise to the challenge and memorize some words of God. Okay, that's my challenge to you, and I'll I'll do it with you. Okay, five verses. I think quite a lot of the time my Christian life has kind of rested because the first thing I ever did as a Christian was I did a course where you had to memorize five verses. And so much of my Christian life has sat on those five verses because I remembered them. So if you're up for some memory verses, I will do it with you. Okay. And my challenge would be to get five. And I'll tell you which ones to do. So the promises of God are there. The question is whether you have faith. And if you have faith, then you'll you'll do something about it. See, God wants to give them the land. He has given them the land. But it's not theirs until they take it. It's like me giving you a £5,000 cheque. I think we've used this illustration before at the end of the service because I seem to remember. Yeah, anyway. Um, But if I give you a £5,000 cheque and you say, that's lovely, thank you, Nick, and you stick it on your pin board at home, 
that was my promise, my gift to you, but you've never received it. You've never come into the blessing of it. What does faith do? Faith takes it to the bank and does something about it. And a little bit like that with Israel, with us. God has made them the promise, but are they going to do anything with it? So that's Joshua's commission. Joshua is commissioned by God. He turns around briefly and orders all the people. Go through the camp, tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, we're going to cross, uh, cross the Jordan. Go in, take possession of the land. Joshua knows what we have yet to discover, unless you've read ahead in the story, that Jordan is in flood uh, all during the harvest. So I would assume at this point he has no idea about how they were going to cross the river. And humanly speaking, it's definitely the wrong time of year. But in faith, because God has called him, he has those promises, he has those commands, he calls the people to action. And actually we see the first sign of God blessing. God blesses him by saying, nobody will stand against you. Uh, The first blessing is the people obey. They don't stand against him. And including these two and a half tribes uh, who have got to now leave all their uh, women and children behind on the east of the Jordan and, and go in and fight. They just get up and they do it. Wouldn't that be brilliant? We just kind of taught people, you know, read out God's word on a Sunday and a Wednesday night and people just went out and did it. That would be amazing. If we acted on the promises of God with urgent and precise obedience, fueled by a knowledge of his love for us and his grace for us in Christ, not out of fear or trying to... Uh, justify ourselves, but if we took the promises of God and just went out and did it, that would be amazing. You see, there's no neutral ground in this. In the same way there's no neutral territory in, in, this, uh, in this battle, there is no neutral ground uh, regarding the promises of God. You either trust them or you don't. And the scary thing is, as David Jackman says, all I need to do for my heart to harden after God has spoken his word is... Nothing. So you're in a dangerous place this morning. Okay, because if you walk away from here doing nothing about this, your heart will just be a little bit harder than it was last week. Beware stepping out of here and doing nothing. But let's work it through. Sorry, I recognise I'm going on, but this is good stuff. I think it's good stuff anyway. God has given us a land promise. Okay, at least it's a long-term land promise. The meek will inherit the earth. That's your long-term land promise. The meek, who are the, those who are meek in Christ, will inherit the earth. Jesus said, my father's house has many rooms. And if it wasn't true, I would have told you. And Paul says, I saw uh, a new heaven and a new earth. We have a land promise. It's coming. One day, all this will, will be made new and we will inhabit it. It's a land promise. But in the meantime, we have a kingdom battle. Okay, God's kingdom is, is wherever the... Truth of his gospel is acknowledged and trusted and lived out. So we're not fighting for any particular territory on earth because the land promise will come true regardless. But we are fighting for the, for the kingdom of God. So we're fighting for the gospel truth to be known and to be lived out. And the first battle is for you to live it out in your own lives. You know this two-way fighting. You've got to somehow get a grip through that. You've got to work out where you're pushing the Lord away. So you're fighting for territory in your own life. And then you're fighting for, uh, for unity and for the people of our church to be built up. 
And then we're fighting for God's kingdom to come in the people around us, in other words, for the gospel to be, to be known and understood and believed and trusted. And then through our mission partners, we're doing that out and across the world. So we have a land promise, but actually help, more helpful to think in terms of a kingdom battle. We have a conquest promise. We have, divine, we have weapons um, that have divine power to, to demolish strongholds. You have the weapons you need. You have the weapons you need. Or as Isaiah says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. We have a conquest promise. Sorry, did you catch the demolish, those who are doing the word search? We have a presence promise. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. They saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, 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 I am with you to the very end of the age. What's stopping you? Well, fear, probably. Lack action because we're unfamiliar with the promises. What's the answer to that? I think you can work that out by now. We lack courage because we're not meditating on the Bible. What's the answer to that? I think you can work that out for yourself. But Joshua is told this. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. What's Joshua going to be prosperous and successful in? It's not that his used car business goes well, is it? It's that he'll prosper and be successful in his warfare for the Lord. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is our mission. This is our call. Okay? I mean, it's, it's our call all the time. But this is our call for this, time, for this term, I think. Probably our call for this year. Let's just pray briefly. Father God, some of us are going to be I'm naturally much more fearful than others. But Lord, we apologize and repent for unnecessary fear. Fear that would have been answered by wholehearted meditation on your word. A chewing over, a reflection, a memorizing. We're sorry, Lord. And we ask you to keep 
drawing us to your word, speaking, us, speaking to us through your word, helping us trust your promises, changes, Lord, as we meditate on your word, that we might be strong and courageous in our battle for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.